praise God has felt on my heart to share a short word on faith. And the title of this message is Fight the Good Fight of Faith. Fight the Good Fight of Faith. Let's just look at 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12, where that phrase comes from. The epistle to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6. We're just going to read from 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. I'd like to just discuss this and try and make it real and as down to earth as possible. The first thing I need to just state, which is obvious, that faith, real faith, active faith is a battle. It's a battle. It's warfare. It's not something that just you quietly attach to your Christian life and go on as normal. Not at all. If we really understand faith, you now will find that it's extremely challenging. And you see, it puts great demands on us as people. But the rewards are so great. I'm trying to encourage us in this message to fight this good fight. Because you see, if there's a battle raging and you don't fight it, you've lost before you even start. And the effect of that in people, I'm talking about Christian people, is living in defeat. It was never God's plan for you and I to live in defeat. And when I speak about defeat, I'm talking about a wide range of areas. Of course, you and I need to fight the good fight of faith to make sure that one day we arrive in heaven. But for many Christians, sad to say, that's all they see in the scripture. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep going until you get there sort of thing. Even if you just creep over the line, that's fine. Reminds me of when I was at school. You had athletics, of course. I'm not an athlete by any means, but you had to participate. And I went for the 100-yard dash, as they used to call it in those days. That's a sprint, by the way. Now, I'm not a sane bolt, but I made a good effort. And to be honest, I was quite impressive over the first few yards or meters, as it were. However, <laughs> by the time I came to 99, I just crept over way behind everyone else. Now, you see, Christianity is not supposed to be like that. You know, I'm not supposed to come to the end of our Christian walk and just barely make it. Oh, we fought the fight of faith. No, you didn't. You had some success in one area. But faith encompasses many other things. Every area of your and my salvation. If I can just state them very quickly, it does mean your salvation. It means your soul is intact. Emotionally, you are mature. It talks about intellectually mature. It talks about physically well. It talks also about being able to relate to people. Do you know, when it comes to relationships, very often, as I'm going to explain, we have to fight this fight of faith. But it doesn't stop there. Do you know that our finances are very important to God? Very, very important, as I've said so many times in this church. If we have resources, we can help other people. And that's really important. But it doesn't stop there even. Faith 
spills over into the whole realm of your and my calling. You'll never fulfill God's call on your life and my life without understanding and exercising faith. And of course, finally, this eternal salvation which we inherit and one day approaching those gates of pearl, we enter into the realm of glory and it's all over having run the race. Now you see, our job is to make me run the race well. And you see, this race involves a fight, the fight of faith. Now, that's all very well. Can I just say something else? It is a good fight. Notice, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. It's a good thing. God takes pleasure in you and I stretching our faith. He's in it all the way. The moment you and I set out on a faith project, as I'm going to describe, he jumps around for joy and says, let's do it. Not expecting you to struggle on your own. God loves faith. The word says, without faith you can't please God. Do you see that? In Hebrews, without faith you can't please Him. Well, let's not look at the negative. Let's look at the positive. If you and I demonstrate faith, the greater the better, it makes Him so happy. So happy. Why? You see, it's not a case of now, oh, because you've got some sort of faith He's going to love you anymore. No, it's got nothing to do with that. I hope you will realize God loves us so much that he died before we were even saved. You can't earn his love. It's not something that can be transacted. It's so great. But you see, God delights in you and my faith. Why? Well, for a start, it means we're going to be happier on the earth. If you and I are living in defeat in any area, it brings such misery. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. Any form of unhappiness in you and my life, God's not happy with it. And he's given us the tools to overcome. This is the important thing to grasp. You see, and that tool, by and large, is this powerful force, supernatural force, the force of faith, which can do all things, by the way. But you see, it's also good from God's perspective in that, and this is the heart of it. As we are made whole, as we are empowered ourselves, as we live above and not beneath, we are positioned to help others. We have something to help them with. We have a testimony. A friend of mine described how his brother went on a mission trip. And the particular denomination that he went on the behalf of or behest of doesn't really go for this healing business, it's sad to say. They've got the understanding that if you sick, it's God's will somehow and you just have to push through. Well, the problem with this is when you're on the mission field, especially in these poverty-infested areas, there's a lot of sick. There's a tremendous amount of sick, if only because of unhygienic conditions. Well, the man contracted tuberculosis, went on a mission field to share the gospel, contracted tuberculosis, and was lucky to survive with his life. Now, I mean, what sort of testimony is that to the people there? Is it a sin to be sick? No, not at all. But what I'm trying to get at is if he had an understanding of faith and he was able to overcome every form of sickness, not only in his own life, but to lay hands on those people and get them healed, I think they would have listened to his message a lot more readily, don't you? Well, you see, that's what this is about. It's not just about us, but it is about us. God loves you. Did you know that? He's concerned about every area of your life. He's not happy when one of your children is not serving him. He's not happy when you are struggling with some form of sickness or disease. He's not happy when you and I are depressed or miserable in our work or just unable to relate properly. All these things that the world pushes at us. You see, he's not happy. And the key to having victory 
more often than not, is the good fight of faith. But you see, we have to understand something. What exactly are we fighting? It's all very well, the good fight of faith, but what does it actually mean and how do we go about it? That's so important. And you see, like I said, I want to put this in very practical terms, not highbrow theological stuff. You see, Paul understood this. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, one of those classic passages of Scripture on this whole understanding of the fight that you and I are involved with, whether we like it or not. By virtue of the fact that you become a child of God and change your allegiance from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness is now your enemy. Before that, the kingdom of light was not your enemy. Do you understand? The kingdom of light didn't go around persecuting you. It cried out for you and made space for you and prepared for you. But you see, the moment you turn and you go into the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom of darkness, their job, sad to say, is to make you and my life miserable, to bring you back into its control and ultimately land you up in hell. But you see, God doesn't want that. Now let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now listen to this. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. All right? And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. So put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay? Fighting this good fight of faith. So you see, the point is that we are not fighting against brothers and sisters. We are fighting against a spiritual force that is out there. And you see, all this armor here speaks about defense mechanism, which I'm not going to speak about today. But the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And the key to that is understanding that the sword is closely, this mouth of yours and mine is closely related with this weapon, which is faith. Let's look at one more scripture. Okay, 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Two more scriptures and then we're going to talk about these things and make them real. Amen. Make them real, not remote theology or philosophy. Real understanding what you and I have to do every single day. All right, 1 Peter 5 verse 8. It says there, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So you see, the devil is like a roaring lion. Now please note, he is like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's like 
a roaring lion. One thing we have to grasp in this whole understanding of faith, our weapons are not carnal, they are spiritual. And the powerful weapon of the word speaks about the truth. You see, the devil's tactic is deception. That's why he's like a roaring lion. If you strip it to the bone, you'll see that he's powerless. It's quite a thought, isn't it? But he puts up a good show. And that's the picture here. This lion looks so ferocious and roars at you. But if he had to look in his mouth, he's got no teeth. All he can do is gum you to death. <laughs> that's really the way to look at the devil. However, let me say, he puts on a very good show. He's got a good set of false fangs, if I can put it that way, that make him look terrifying, and that's his job, to make you and I scared. All right, I've got to understand these things, but there's no reason to be afraid. Why? Well, the final scripture I want to read for now is 1 John 5 verse 4. Let's just go there. 1 John 5 verse 4. Listen to this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Do you see that? It's a blanket statement of fact. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Do you see that? Our faith overcomes the world. Well, let's put it in context here. The devil comes with his lies and his fear. All we have to do is stand up with our faith and give him the sword. Do you see that? Would you stand around somebody who's got a sharp sword and keeps poking you? No, you run away, you see. That's the devil for you. All right. But how do you exactly fight this fight of faith? It's so important to grasp it, and it's not too difficult. You see, the battleground takes place to a large extent in our minds. And we have to work on our brains, how we think, how we see things. That's the starting point. But you see, before we go into all of that, I'm going to make a suggestion. You see, this thing called faith in your and my life actually grows. It's like a plant. If you tend the plant, it will grow. If you're lazy like me, sit back on my stretcher and just watch all my estate withering in the sun, nothing's going to happen. Things have to be tended if they're going to grow. The same with your and my faith. We're all given a measure of faith. It's like a seed. The issue is what you and I do with that seed that's going to make all the difference. What I'm going to speak about now is how do you and I get that seed to grow? Now, you see, the devil comes as a roaring lion. His job is to make you and my life miserable. So it's safe to say that anything that comes your way that is horrible and unpleasant, I'm not talking about the chastening of the Lord, by the way, but if you're battling with poverty, it's not God. If sickness is plaguing you, it's not God. If you're struggling with depression or problems of that nature, it's not God. If you have battles with relationships, it's not God. You see, God is a good God. And like any father, he wants good things for us. No father takes pleasure in the sickness of his child. No mother either, for that matter. So you see, by and large, these things that are sent to try us are opportunities to develop our faith. You see, and it's not like we're saying, oh, you just go into a vague fuzz and say they don't exist. No, we realize they do exist. Poverty is a horrible thing. For anybody who's experienced it, you'll know. It's so self-destroying. But you see, God wants us to be overcomers in life. That is the testimony that he wants us to have. You see? 
Now, how do we go about it? Well, you see, my suggestion, if you want to develop your faith, is, in a sense, take bite-sized chunks. What do I mean by that? Let's say, for example, you're suffering from some debilitating disease. Now, obviously, ultimately, you want to get free from that disease. And if you've struggled with it for the vast portion of your life, deep down in your thinking, that thing is part of you. It's very hard to actually break that misconception in your mind. One understands that. So you see, let's put it this way. You want to now fight the fight of faith. You don't want to sit on the side and pretend, oh, well, God just lets this thing happen. You have to bear through. No, you want to get into the arena and you want to fight. Pick a small fight first. That's my suggestion. You see, let me put it this way. A big faith battle, if you knew it, this might be a bridge too far. It might be a bridge too far. You see, and one wants to eventually come to the place where our faith can have victory over anything. That's what God wants. He said to his disciples, these things I do, you'll do greater. He's talking of immense ability to believe in him and his power and almighty God and heaven. You see, but now, let's be honest, you and I, when we start out, we're not really there. And it's best to be honest in this faith business than to get into presumption. Now you see, what am I saying, pick a small fight? Well, there's a lot of areas in which you and my faith can work. And you see, once you and I have had a victory in a small area, although no area, trust me, is small to God, it's all great, but small in our thinking. Once we have that victory, and we see and experience for ourselves, faith actually works. One of the greatest revelations anybody can have is that this faith process actually works. That happened to me, struggling with flu. I knew all the scriptures, oh my soul, I'd been studying this stuff for years. And I knew, now's the time. You can't carry on mouthing the stuff. It's got to work. And it took me a lot of time, I'll be honest with you, to overcome simple flu. But can I just tell you something? The revelation I had after those two weeks of suffering, when I saw something happen, I saw a supernatural power intervene and destroy that virus. I saw that happen. I felt it happen. Now you see, that took two weeks of struggle. But the point I'm trying to make is once I'd seen that, once I'd experienced that, once I realized it's true, faith works. It actually works. I thought to myself, a logical conclusion. If faith, something that is supernatural, something that is above medication, above medical science, you understand, in another realm, a completely different realm. Once I saw that work, I realized, what stops the same power from working in every single situation, medical situation. And the conclusion was nothing. I felt empowered, you understand? That's when I wrote under my shoes, cancer is under my feet. Marched into the oncology department. You were allowed to do that sort of thing in those days. And I got these hands onto sick children, especially ones suffering from cancer and leukemia. And to this day, we have a report that a few of them are still alive and well and kicking. Praise be to God. Amen. But you see, I had to have that initial victory. Having had that initial victory, I was equipped to develop my faith in other areas. Please note, you might have faith in one area. It doesn't follow that you have faith in another. You see, 
We have to develop our faith in all areas. That's the challenge. Now, you see, that was my little, how should I say, initial victory. And a lot of things have passed on from that. And I've grown in my faith for physical healing, specifically for myself. A few months ago, my mother, who's very concerned, knows nothing about these things, said, Graham, I want to make sure that you and Janet are on a very good medical aid. I'm worried about the fact that you might not have a medical aid. And she offered to pay for any medical aid of our choice, full cover, full everything. I said, thank you very much. Let me just consider it. Well, you see, my difficulty, and please, I'm not against medical aid, and you might say, well, that was God, and you could be right. But, you know, when I spoke to God about it, I didn't get a piece at all. Janet and I did not get a piece about it. Why? Well, you see, for us now, please, I don't want people running out and discanting the medical aid. Don't do it. In fact, my advice to anybody who just comes into this thing is make sure you've got a good medical aid. I mean, we're not foolish in these things. But we've been at this for years. And you see, my problem is this. If I sign up with the medical aid, and it's going to cost my mother a fortune, which she can afford, but still, it's a lot of money, as you all know. But you see, if we'd signed up, in a sense, that would have undermined our faith. It would be saying to God, yes, I know you can do it, but I've got another alternative if you don't come up with the goods. And you see, we've come to a stage where that's not allowed for us. Please, just for us at this moment. Others might come to that place. You'll understand when you're there. But please, don't, please, whatever you do, don't operate in presumption. I hope that that message goes out very clearly. Anyway, so I, I said politely to her, now this was a difficult thing, because how do you say no? And um, I, God gave me a wisdom, you see. So I said to her, you know, don't worry about the medical aid. Our church has undertaken for us. <laughs> Our church has undertaken for us. You understand? Well, anyway, that happened, and so we went along with our lives. And as you all know, early on in this year, going to a Bible study prayer meeting, suddenly this terrible pain right across my chest. And it's quite a story. We've spoken about it. I don't want to labor the point. But can I just say, it was the classic symptoms, I assume, of a major heart attack. Classic symptoms. And as I said, when I talked about this before, many people in our orbit had just been having these very same things happen to them. You see, it was all a big setup by the devil, actually, to what? Undermine my faith. But if you remember, I told the story how I spoke to God, and he just gave me the reassurance with long life, I will satisfy you, just take it easy, and lo and behold, I'm still here. Other people, I'm afraid, and people that had a medical aid had the same symptoms, as far as I understand, went to the doctors, and when the diagnosis took place, they found stuff. And you see what happens now in that situation? Tremendous fear came on people. And in one instance, a young man, relative young man, died. You see, quite a few people died because of the same thing. But now, you see, let's put it two and two together. Had I taken the medical aid, would have been the first thing to do. Janet, get all my gear. I'm going to see the quack. You understand? 
and medical aid would have covered it. Now you see, am I saying that you know you shouldn't have medical aid? Well, it's fine to have medical aid, but as far as possible, make sure that you're really trusting the living God. Amen. And one day maybe he'll test you on that. But you see, here we are in a situation where the devil has played all his cards to try and get us to what? Get into fear. You see, it's an attack against our faith. But we advise by the Bible, the Word of God, fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Amen. Stand up and fight. And thank God we won. What a wonderful testimony. Now you see, that's my little story, but for every one of us here, I'm encouraging you to choose a small battle. Don't keep this whole business of developing faith vague and out there. Find something concrete that you can attach your faith to. The Bible calls it hope. Right? Hope is vision, something concrete. The devil likes to keep this thing vague. Vague understanding of faith, vague understanding that God will supply, blah, blah, blah. But you see, as long as it is vague, you don't have an experience, you don't have a testimony, you don't have that witness in your heart that this thing actually works. So my encouragement is to find something, a small faith battle. Now what constitutes a small faith battle? Well, no battle of faith is small, let me tell you. I wondered why this flu was taking me two weeks. Do you understand? The devil understood what I understand now. If I had that experience and I had that little bit of, how shall I say, positive understanding, he knew that the game was up, that I'd be impervious to every form of sickness that might come my way, and empowered to pray for those who are struggling. Amen? And he doesn't want that. The devil has kept the church sick for years, lied to us, and even theologians have swallowed the lie. Oh, you never know what God's going to do. He might be punishing you trash. All right, it's from the devil and you and I need to fight it. And God is on our side to see us healthy and well. What did the Lord Yeshua do on this earth? He went about doing good. Notice fight the good fight of faith. Healing all who were sick and casting out demons. You get it? All who were sick. What has sickness and demons got in common? They both come from the same sewer. Amen. They both come from the same sewer. All right. And they have no right messing with you in my life. But anyway, choose a faith battle. Now listen. Faith operates in every area. I spoke about this thing of healing with me. That wasn't my first faith battle. When I was first a young Christian at university, the first church, I knew nothing about this. But I came up with a faith battle that actually paved the way for me to make the right decisions later on. I was in a young church. It was a university church. And if you know university churches, a lot of young people and a lot of excitement. It was Anglican church, actually. Anglican charismatic church. Very good people. But I was with them to start off with. And being musical or musically inclined, I gravitated, obviously, to the music team. And uh, there were people there, one person in particular, a young girl that my soul, did she irritate me? Didn't take much to irritate me in those days, but this was 
a case par excellence. I don't even know why. I really can't tell you. But just for some reason, she aggravated the living daylights out of this young, holy apostle, you see. And uh, this went on for some time. And, you know, in those early days, I had such a good relationship with the Lord. It has developed, but it was so simple and fresh. And I just talked to him about this thing. I said, what is the problem? And basically what he was saying to me is, Graham, you can't go on like this. You have to make a choice. And I read that passage where it speaks about the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that, it's not something that you have to attain. It's already there. See, this is part of the faith process. And I made a statement. For me, I didn't understand confessing the word, professing the word. I knew nothing about that. But I made a decision. This is a sister in the Lord, and I'm deciding to love her with the love of God. And I said that, I think, once, twice, a few times. Lo and behold, do you know something supernatural happened? To cut a long story short, when I eventually left university, I've lost complete touch with her, I can't even remember the name, but when I left, she was one of my closest friends. One of my closest friends. That was faith. You see that? That was faith. Faith changed my heart. I'm just talking about an example. Now, you might have a sickness, or you might want to take on flu, or you might want to believe for something that you really like. You know, God gives us the desires of our heart. A good faith project is, is to say something like, I really love that instrument, or I really want a particular vehicle or computer or cell phone or just something. Oh, Graham, you can't say that. God does. No, 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 no. What parent doesn't try and find out what their child really wants? So on Christmas, they get what they really want. What a joy. But you see, the point is, make it something concrete. All right? Yes, it's nice to have these things, and we're not supposed to just live for things. We know that. But use the whole process as an object lesson. I'm challenging us. Let's be people that are actively developing our faith. And you see, the important thing is to make it concrete. Write it down. Write it down. Put the date in your diary. On this day, I ask God for, and then write it down, you see. Now the battle lines are drawn. Make another decision. I'm not going to in any way make it happen on my own strength. I'm trusting Almighty God. Can you see that? But before you go any further, it's very important to find in your Bible a scripture. Now remember, your and my faith feeds on the word. It feeds on the word. You've got to feed your faith. You see, and it's important to find a scripture which will show you that your desire and God's heart are the same. Do you see that? That you're on the same page. If you write it down, you speak it out, God in heaven, as your witness, everybody in heaven knows about this little project of yours. Now you see, we've got to get that scripture. Now comes the difficult part. And that is the renewing of the mind. Romans 10, 1 and 2. And how do you renew the mind in this particular area? You have to have the specific scripture. You see, if there's something you believe in God, enabling you and I to do, well, there's lots of scriptures. But the Bible speaks, for example, about whatever you and I put our hands to will prosper. 
But if we, there are many scriptures, but find a particular scripture, one, two, maybe even three, and tie them up, write them down with this faith project. You're battling with a relationship. Say, Father God, this relationship is going to come right. Amen? It's going to come right. What do you do? You write that down before him and you put the scriptures. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit, etc. You might have a fear of some description. Say, Lord, I'm going to overcome this fear. Remember, victory over fear is only faith. You can't have the two. You cannot have faith and fear at the same time. It's impossible. And if you and I have fear, and we know when we've got fear, be assured your faith has not overcome yet. See, that's the challenge. Now what do we do? We take the word of God and we use it. The Bible speaks about, Timothy was told, hold fast that profession. You speak about confessing the word, speaking the word. Maybe you're saying, oh, you know, I'm not able to play that instrument, whatever. And you just decide, I'm going to learn. Whatever I put my hand to prospers. You see what happens when you and I start to speak these thoughts in our mind. Now you might say, oh, you're brainwashing yourself. That's true. Exactly right. What Hitler and Stalin and other politicians did wasn't brainwash. They brain poisoned people. You understand? Now, you see, we've got to change our fundamental thinking. That's so important. I've spoken so many times about the spirit of our mind. We have to get the spirit of our mind on the same page as God. Remember, God wants us to be blessed. I can't say that enough. But you see, religion has told us, oh no, you're not worth it. That's got to die. That thinking has got to be put to death, you see. And we speak about profession, professing the word. What does that actually mean? Well, you see, the heart of profession is agreement. You see, if I confess what God has said about it, what am I saying? I'm saying, God, you and I are in agreement. Can you see that? Once we're in agreement, God can do something. You see? And it's this process of getting our mind, the spirit of our mind, to the place where we realize that's what God thinks. And that's what I think. You see? And the moment that little transfer takes place, that's when faith is birthed in you in my heart. You see, if you know that, you know that God wants you to have something. It's merely a matter of time. It's merely a matter of time. You understand? It's merely a matter of time. So you see, that's really important. The way to change our minds is to speak. What you speak is what you get. Very simple rule. What you and I speak is what we become. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think in your heart is what you speak. Now you see, those two can work negatively or positively. If you and I decide to speak the right things, eventually the mind will catch up. Did you know that? The mind will catch up. And you see, we don't want to be split people saying one thing with our mouth, but our heart is saying something else. That's got to change. Can you see that? That's got to change if you want to believe. If you really do not fear sickness, COVID-19 has no hold on you. But if deep down you harbor a fear of contracting the sickness, you will still have to work on your faith. It's as simple as that, really. But you see, my point is this. Decide to win one battle. And it might be a struggle. It will be a struggle, because no battle is easy if it's a real battle. The longer it takes, in a sense, the greater that battle is, and the greater the victory will be, and the greater the fruits of that victory will be. Abram was tested for years. 
I mean, really, he's 100 years old, still believing for a child. Looks at his wife, she's 90, 10 years his junior. He's well past childbearing, in the natural, in the natural. But he still believed. You see, he still chose to believe. That's where you and my faith grows. It looks impossible. In fact, very often, the moment you and I embark on a faith battle like this, the devil, the circus master, he puts on a massive pantomime as if to say, well, you made a big mistake. It's never going to happen for you, sonny boy. That's his spirit. Well, that's the time to stand up. You know, devil, you're arguing with not me, but the word of the living God. And then give him the sword. Give him the sword. He hates it. He hates it. You understand? In the heart of that heart attack, supposedly, I was trying to get some of my much-needed beauty sleep, and then the devil came with his last trick with all these horrible thoughts and visions of funerals, etc. And I said, that's enough. I was too tired to actually give him the sword myself. So what did I do? I got the blessed book of Ephesians on my phone. I put it up full ball, and I said to him, here, you miserable piece of rubbish, suck on this. Do you know, within an hour I was fast asleep, and the next day I woke up as fresh as a daisy. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. You see, Mark's desires that we are mighty men and women of faith who know how faith works, have experience of it for ourselves. People have shared testimonies of how God has come through. That's wonderful. But it's good to put him sometimes on the spot. You know, you might say, well, that's terrible. You can't do that to God. You can't tell God what to do. No, you're not telling him what to do. You're telling him what he's told you to do and what he's promised you. So you're not manipulating him in any way. But can I tell you the honest truth? When you and I grab hold of this thing and we look at God in the face and say, okay, God, let's do this. Let's fight this fight of faith. He's so happy. He is so happy. You see, and when we conform to the system, we take the trouble to renew our mind. We take this thing seriously, realizing that the repercussions are much greater than our satisfaction in maybe a small thing or a relationship restored, whatever, small sickness recovered. You understand, there's a far greater picture. It's this whole learning curve of faith. I'm encouraging us to be students of faith and be enrolled for the rest of our lives. Amen. We enroll for the rest of our lives and probably beyond. I had a vision once. I've shared this before. But um, in heaven, you see, they have a faith school. And they're sitting in an amphitheater. I saw this in the spirit. And the amphitheater is filled with people that were involved with religion their whole lives. Ministers, you see, all the educated ones. And they were all sitting there. They were happy to be in heaven, of course. But they were being taught faith. Because you need faith in heaven, by the way. That's the currency up there. If you want to go anywhere, you have to believe for it. It's easy to believe, though, because there's no opposition. But anyway, they were being lectured to, and I thought, well, these esteemed gentlemen, surely the person to lecture them would be none other than Paul the Apostle. Hallelujah. Or maybe Peter or any other great Stephen. Maybe Stephen is the man. No. You know who's teaching them? A child. A child was teaching them the basic principles of faith. The basic principles of faith are simple. They're simple, but they're powerful. Trusting in God until that substance, that heavenly substance, materializes in your and my spirit man. And you'll know when it's happened, because you'll know that you know that you know. And that's the time, brothers and sisters, not to just sit back and say, I know that, I know that, I know. That's the time to take your heart in your hands and act. You have to do something. 
You see, once we develop that faith, that's the time to act, not before. That's the time to act, to step out. You see, step out. Make that decision and step out. You see, every faith battle requires something of us. Wisdom is what God tells us to do. It's all very well developing our faith, and it's all very well saying, I'm fighting a fight of faith. But the other part of us needs to listen to God and say, Father God, in this battle, what must I do? What exactly do you require of me? And when God tells you the strategy for your and my victory, that's when we can operate in faith. You see? For example, you might be on drugs of some description. For some ailment or other. And we all know God doesn't want you to have those drugs. He doesn't want you to take them because they might suppress the symptoms, etc. But they also do damage. No chemical substance, foreign chemical substance that we take will leave us without some form of damage. And it can be a toss-up between your discomfort now and discomfort later. But you see, God doesn't work that way. With God, it's win-win. I'm just giving the example of wisdom. You see, you might say to the Lord, what must I do? And this has happened to people, and I just wanted to say, but please, every case is different. To one person, the Lord said to them, well, take your pills, but every time you take your pill, take godly medicine at the same time. I think it was Derek Prince. Yes, he went through this. You take your medicine under doctor's instructions, that's fine, but you take also at the same time godly medicine, which is the word of God. The word does say that the word is medicine to our soul. You see, medicine to our bodies. What are you doing? You're following God's process. And I assume that the wisdom behind it is that as we take godly medicine, our faith man rises up and eventually says, I don't need these pills anymore. It's more of one and less of the other, you see. But we need to watch and pray and be conscious of what God wants. You might say, I'm battling with that relationship. And you see, you're confessing and you're professing and you're doing all you know, all this spiritual mumbo-jumbo, not that it is mumbo-jumbo, and you're asking God what to do, and God says, go and get something and give it to that person. Me. Him. <laughs> yes, you. And you see, if you say, okay, Lord, and you grit your teeth, and it's amazing how soon resentments and things like that just break. Just break. You understand? You've won a faith battle. If somebody who you battled with is now your great friend, that's a faith battle. And it's God who's done it, you see. God has changed your heart and done it. It's beautiful, actually. But I hope you understand what I'm trying to get at here. Ultimately, you know, I build our faith and we take on things bigger and bigger. The Lord, actually, when he took Israel into the promised land, he staggered their journey. Because they weren't big enough to overcome the wild animals. It was a process, you see. And, of course, faith can overcome anything. But if you now are facing a life-threatening disease in the long term, or major sickness, yes, your faith can break that. But it might be a bridge too far, as I've said. And I'm just suggesting, look for something smaller that you can get your teeth into. See a victory there. And know that the moment you taste that taste of victory, there's nothing like it. You realize nothing's too big for God. As long as you and I can give him enough faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. So that on that day, you and I 
have great riches to present to our King. Bless you. Amen. Amen.